Hello, and welcome to Everybody's National Parks. This is your host, Danielle. This is episode number 7.4, the fourth episode in our series on Olympic National Park. In this episode, Brian speaks with park ranger Greg Marsh about Hurricane Ridge at Olympic National Park, what makes it special, and what to do when you visit. He also talks about the fun town of Port Angeles and his punk rock band, MCFD. Brian and Greg discovered they were at many of the same punk rock shows in the 90s. Before we get to the conversation, we would like to ask for your help to grow our audience by telling your friends, subscribing, and leaving a review. Also, we love creating each episode, but it takes significant time and effort. Please consider supporting our work through Patreon, which provides a way for listeners to support the show. Just go to our website, everybodysnationalparks.com, and click on Support the Show. Thank you for listening. Now for this week's discussion on Olympic National Park. Okay, I'm here with Greg Marsh. He's a park ranger and supervisor of the Visitor Center at Olympic National Park. Hi, Greg. Thanks for uh, taking time out today. Hi, thanks for speaking with me. We want to talk today about Hurricane Ridge and Port Angeles. Ironically, two of the more popular parts of Olympic National Park that in my last trip with my brother, we missed this. We did everything else seemingly, uh, but we missed uh, Port Angeles and Hurricane Ridge. However, Danielle and I, um, in 2002, when we visited Olympic for the first time, we did visit Hurricane Ridge, uh, memorable for we were just out of grad school and Danielle out of Peace Corps. So I uh, rented the cheapest car I could, which was a Chevy Geo Metro, which was basically I rented a sewing machine. And I remember right. I was a little nervous if it was going to get to the top of Hurricane Ridge. But uh, that, that, was our, uh, that was our arduous climb. But uh, with all that, it's been a while for me. So let's just start with Hurricane Ridge, Greg. Uh, uh, you know, what is Hurricane Ridge? What's so special about it? Well, Hurricane Ridge represents the mountainous uh, ecosystem of Olympic National Park. The Hurricane Ridge Road is the one road uh, that climbs into the high country of the park, so it provides access to the you know, that beautiful mountain scenery to you know to all of our visitors, young, old, uh, regardless of ability. Um, everybody can get up to Hurricane Ridge and you know take in those incredible mountain views. Um, you know, beyond that, of course, then you know, your primary activity up there is going to be hiking. There are several hiking trails where people can you know, take a short stroll or, or you know, even launch a backpack trip uh, from uh, from that area. And the the main conveyance, right, is, is like we did in our sewing machine, is one drives up to Hurricane Ridge. Or do you have some hardcore bicyclists who try to make it to the top? Make it to the ridge. Olympic is a you know a large wilderness park, and indeed, uh, while many parks may have you know shuttle systems or buses that operate, that isn't the case here. Uh, people do need to you know have their own transportation to get up there. We do have bicyclists go up there. Um, Hurricane Ridge is at fifty two forty two feet, so just about a mile high. We start at sea level, uh, so it is a climb over seventeen miles. Um, wow. Um, so we have, uh, I've seen bicycle groups come over from, uh, Victoria, British Columbia to ride up to the Ridge. Um, and indeed those other, uh, you know, bicycling enthusiasts, it is a route that people do bike, but indeed most of the visitors are going to uh, get up there, uh, using, you know, using cars. All respect to those bicyclists. They're better people than I am for, uh, making that, making that up. Yeah. I have a hard time walking up a hill anymore. So I, <laughs> I too, uh, kind of admire the, admire the bicyclist. Right. Nothing, nothing but respect. Uh, well, here's a, uh, Here's a, uh, a dumb question for you. I can probably imagine why, but why, why is it called Hurricane Ridge? 
Hurricane Ridge, uh, it, it you know, it may be surprising while we don't experience hurricanes uh, here per se. Um, a typical winter at Hurricane Ridge can find winds uh, blowing over 100 miles per hour, well into hurricane force. Right. Um, so it is a place that is, um, you know, shaped by the wind. Um, and indeed, it is the, um, you know, that story is written in the trees when visitors go up there. Uh, you know, they can see whether it's the shape of the tree branches or the, you know, the bark that's been blasted off um, from the blowing snow and, and um, or, you know, snap treetops. Uh, that story of, of the wind uh, is written in the trees up there for those that, uh, uh, for those that look. So let's, let's spend some time on that. Uh, speaking of the trees, what, what is the silver forest, Greg? You know, the silver forest, that, that frankly is not a term I've heard before. However, as you start at low elevation here um, in Port Angeles and work up to Hurricane Ridge, again, going from sea level to 5,200 feet, you're going to pass through a variety of you know, forest communities, uh, low elevation forests dominated by Douglas fir and western red cedar. And as you start to get elevation, the heart of the hills is a campground at 1,800 feet on the way to Hurricane Ridge. And there at heart of the hills, the, the careful observer can start to see a tree called the silver fir. I sometimes would call it, as I was learning these trees, the bubble bark. And they have little, oh, I'll call them sap listers on the bark, but a very light barked tree, the silver fir starting to appear there at that 1,800 foot elevation. Mm-hmm. And then as you start to climb the mountain even higher, you start to see other species come in, of course. Um, Alaskan yellow cedar is a tree that you start to see as you get even above Heart of the Hills campground. And then once you reach the, the ridge proper, the forest up there is dominated by uh, a couple of trees, subalpine fir and mountain hemlock. It's interesting to think about those trees. And again, the careful you know, visitors that really look carefully, those trees don't attain the size up there as some of the lower elevation species but they too can be very long-lived trees. They're just growing in a you know a much harsher environment, so they're not attaining the size. But some of those trees up there can be centuries old as well. Was any of that ever logged, Greg? At at any point, or is this uh, is this could it be considered old growth? The forests around this section of Port Angeles, as you start going up, once you get through uh, the entrance station at Heart of the Hills. Uh, which is five miles above Port Angeles. While there is fire history in that area, most of that forest has not seen harvesting. Um, so you you do have a mosaic of you know forest ages as you go up there. In fact, as you look down on the canopy of the forest as you're driving up to Hurricane Ridge and start looking at the different shades of green, they'll give you clues as to the older and younger trees. And that's a clue as to uh, the fire history. So mm-hmm. you know, again, as we see the story of the wind in the trees, you can uh, sometimes you know start to get a sense of the age of the forest based on colors and canopy. Uh, as we look down on them, the fire history in this area, of course, the you know down here in Port Angeles, you can still walk on trails and see you know the springboard notches and the old stumps from the the forests that have been cut down here. And so, taking from trees down to the ground cover, wildflowers. What 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 could we see and when if we were visiting Hurricane Ridge in the area? I think that a lot of visitors, when they think about wildflowers, they're picturing that, you know, that big mountain scene in with, you know, with meadows full of, of lupin and paintbrush, the purples and the reds. And indeed, that, you know, that is that classic mountain wildflower scene, which at Hurricane Ridge, um, right now we have anywhere from zero to 
Well, around eight feet of snow still. April and May can be months where the snowpack is melting. Uh, flowers are going to start appearing up there. Some of the early flowers, the flock, the glacia, avalanche lilies and glacier lilies, these things will start to appear as those snowpacks melt. Um, and then, you know, we'll start looking, depending on the snow year, you know, late July, August, if we really were trying to define a time when you might see maximum diversity up there. But with that said, the wildflower story is happening right now in low elevation forests. So again, just using the Hurricane Ridge Road, uh, stopping at Heart of the Hills Campground, taking a walk in the woods there, or even in the back of our visitor center here, the spring wildflowers and the low elevation forests, you know, that story is happening right now. Trillium, the different lilies that are mm -hmm. blooming, um, some orchids that are blooming at low elevation, star flowers. Those are things that visitors can experience right now. By the way, just for a point of reference, because we probably release this a few months from now, it, uh, date of recording is May 11th, and there's still snowpack at Hurricane Ridge. And here on the East Coast, it's 85 degrees, so it's hard to square that around. You know, we got a sense of what the flowers and, and when to visit. And again, it sounds like the nice thing about Hurricane Ridge, Greg, is that there's a cross-section depending on time of year, you can get a nice cross-section of seasonality and kind of the, the dynamic aspects of the mountain and weather. So I think that's also just an education, also just pretty fun, depending on what time you see. You get that cross-section as you gain elevation or, or lose elevation, as it were, which is pretty interesting. I heard uh, visitors, overheard visitors come in today, surprised at the snow in the mountains. Indeed, it's a sunny day. And um, they said, you know, where else can you find, you know, still go play in some snow and throw some snowballs today, but we can come down and kayak on a 60-degree day uh, down in the harbor. Just amazing diversity in, in, in many levels here. Yeah, that's that's really fun. So just kind of rounding out you, your painting the picture is, uh, you know, we talked about the trees. We talked about uh, some of the weather, the wind, uh, flowers. What about wildlife? What could we see if we're uh, hanging around the ridge and, and its immediate vicinity? Most visitors are going to encounter um, black-tailed deer. That's going to be, you know, almost a given uh, driving up to Hurricane Ridge. Uh, but there's some things that we might hope visitors can see. You know, one species to note up there is the Olympic marmot. Um, the Olympic marmot um, is notable in that it represents one of our so-called endemic species here. Olympic National Park is home to more than 20 different um, plant and animal species that are endemic to Olympic National Park, found here and only here. The Olympic marmots, one of those endemic species, along with, oh, there's some flowers like Piper's Bellflower, Flutz Violet. Um, so we have plants and animals that are found nowhere else on Earth. Uh, the Olympic marmots are one of those animals. We just heard just last week I heard of the first sightings of Olympic marmots popping up in the spring. When the snows have melted, they go down and hibernate when the kids start school in September, and now they're popping out uh, once the kids are wrapping back, uh, wrapping back up. So, um, so marmots are one thing that is, you know, a unique uh, animal for people to experience. When I go to Hurricane Ridge, I, I always hope to see the black bear. Um, it can be. You know, a needle in a haystack proposition. Um, it can involve, it really is an exercise in patience, in observation. I've sat watching black bears and had visitors walk by me, you know, unaware that black bears are there. I think um, one of the things that I try to talk to people about is just that, that this park, um, it's rugged, uh, it's densely forested. Uh, there is a lot of 
wonderful wildlife here, you know, from the elk that, you know, folks might encounter out in the rainforest. Indeed, to black bear, the patience and observation and time, I think, are really critical to, you know, to have those types of experiences or encounters. I'll sit uh, for an hour, for two hours, having lunch, for three hours with a book and my binoculars and just watch and scan meadows. And um, and it's those exercises in, in patience uh, that oftentimes find me rewarded with, uh, you know, with, uh, with seeing a black bear. Bird watchers are going to go up to the ridge. It's kind of cool to go up to the ridge if you're paying attention to birds and that there's a number of overlooks on the way up. And the overlooks are such that you're, you're, you're kind of looking down on or into or down on some of the canopy. So it, it can be an opportunity to, to see birds that might typically be, you know, way over your head. One of the bird species that people are seeing now up there, formerly called the blue grouse, it's now known as the sooty grouse, mm. but it's a beautiful bird that well, people will see it doing a mating display even along the road. But that's one of the species people will see and oftentimes hear up at the ridge this time of year. And by the way, I just want to underscore and go back to a great point you made, Greg, and it's a, it, mostly because it's a failing of mine where when I visit parks and we've been all over now, I, you know, my default mode is to be kinetic and the next hike, the next rock climbing, the next kayak. And uh, you're absolutely right, and I don't do enough of it. Uh, I think actually my family does it better than I do, but uh, sitting quietly and peacefully, whether it's, as you say, it's animal watching or bird watching or just watching the sunrise or just relaxing and watching the woods is uh is a a key activity slash non activity. So I think I think you're wise to bring that up. It's uh something I need to do better at. So I, I'm glad you brought it up to remind me. I'm not sure where our program is at here at Olympic, but some parks are actually um have what I would describe as like an R X program. Um, here, I think it's still in existence. Local doctors can actually write a prescription uh, for their patients to take a hike in the woods, and the park hooks them up with an entrance pass. You and it's it's a recognition that parks, you know, serve that role as uh, places of healing. Whether it's uh, you know soldiers coming back, um, right, well, wow. and finding solace and peace, and you know, escape, you know, in these places. It really is. Parks are powerful places in that way. I had a communication uh, just two weeks ago with a prisoner serving 27 years to life, and he is now writing parks and visiting them you know, from his jail cell and reading and rereading the literature and pictures, and he's finding you know, inspiration. And um, it was a pretty powerful letter that he wrote, and it was uh, a reminder to me Boy, that you know, I don't know that I can always appreciate or remember the important roles parks can play for different uh, populations. Yeah, you know, you're absolutely right. It's it's not just about let me let me dominate and absorb as many experiences as possible. A lot of it is just to which it funny winding back to our very first podcast. Uh, we Danielle and I talked about we didn't review a park. We basically talked about why we were doing this, and it occurred to me now that I'm in. You know, I've slouched into middle age that uh, you know, I just need I just need the peace sometimes, and it's a great uh, it's a great reminder that that mental break, that mental vacation, is as important as any type of kinetic vacation. And if you can mix the both, then more power to you. But uh, I, I think just those, Greg, those examples very illustrative and and very important. I'm glad you took some time out to tell us that. That's that's some pretty cool stuff, and it's some pretty powerful stuff. 
Um, you know, we, we kind of got some uh, field a little bit, but you, you mentioned some of the programs. So just uh, wanted to key on that. Can you talk about some of the programs, some of the things that are available at the visitor center itself, interpretive displays, films, anything along those lines? What can a visitor expect if they came by and, and said hello to you in the visitor center? Yeah, so up at Hurricane Ridge Visitor Center, um, during the summer season, a uh, fully staffed visitor center with a um, with exhibit, a gift shop, uh, and a cafe uh, available for folks. We're excited at this time, um, Hurricane Ridge Visitor Center. We're just beginning the process of redesigning and revamping the exhibits up there. I'm not sure the the time frame, you know, how many years that project will take, but it's an exciting time. So we're really looking ahead at redesigning exhibits up there. There is a um, orientation film, uh, wonderfully done, that focuses on the high country, the mountains of Olympic. Um, Indeed, then, in the summer, uh, typically from, let's say, the third week in June through early September, we do offer a variety of ranger-led programs up at the ridge. Typically, those take the form of guided meadow walks, relatively short walks, appropriate for young and old through the meadows by the visitor center. Rangers will talk about um, a variety of topics, partly based on their passions and partly based on the story that's unfolding at the time. We also do a number of, we, we call them terrace talks, kind of short, somewhat informal talks on the back porch of the visitor center. People can kind of come and go and gaze out over the mountains as they hear rangers and share some stories about, about the park. So those are the two primary programs, Heart of the Hills Campground, which we mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. people pass on the way to Hurricane Ridge. Depending on staffing levels in the summer, we try to do some evening programs there. Those are your typical, you know, what we'll call a campfire program, kind of that yeah. traditional, you know, program in the campground setting, an amphitheater setting with, you know, PowerPoints or slides shown to illustrate the program. I think that's a, yeah, that's the overview of, of programming at the Ridge. And so I imagine the ranger-led talks and hikes campfire programs are, are for people of all ages, uh, but including kids. And, and with that, uh, notwithstanding that, what else do you think would be, be great for families? What are some particular hikes or activities you think would be great with families with, uh, with kids in tow? Well, um, Hurricane Ridge, there are um, a number of trails up there. And indeed, it is a place that, you know, this park, I think, the wilderness character of it, the 600 plus miles of trails, it is a place that, you know, invites you, begs you to to walk away from the car and, and get out and take a hike. I would really encourage folks to bring binoculars. If there was one tool that I could recommend for maybe to start getting the kids in touch with, uh, a nice set of binoculars with good you know, optical clarity can really bring some things home, i.e. the bears that I see in a meadow a mile away with my binoculars. I can actually you know, watch those bears, whereas visitors without binoculars might not even be able to see uh, those bears. So uh, bring you know, bring that tool along. Um, from the ridge then, again, families of all types, we can take a short stroll right out the front door of the visitor center. Uh, we'll call them the Meadow Loop Trails. They are no more than a mile around and offer great views of the surrounding mountains. Um, there's one popular short destination from the visitor center up there called the Victoria Overlook. While most of the view shed of the from Hurricane Ridge looks south over the Olympic Mountains, 40 square miles of sprawling 
uh, mountain scenery. The Victoria Overlook gives us a little view uh, to the north through the mountains over at Vancouver Island, British Columbia, and uh, you know across the Strait of Juan de Fuca. So you know you're sensing you get this nearly 360 degree view shed. With that said, there's a popular trail at the ridge called Hurricane Hill. It departs right from the very end of the Hurricane Ridge Road. It's a mile and a half trail. It does gain about 700 feet, so it can be a little bit of a workout, but still is probably regarded as a easy to moderate hike. Uh, but at the end of the Hurricane Hill Trail, it does get a little 700 feet of elevation, opens up even a little bit more of the, the western view shed, and again, just yet another you know, amazing vista. Finally, off of the parking lot at Hurricane Ridge is a dirt road called Obstruction Point. It's a narrow, windy, bumpy gravel road that kicks out eight miles. It's a popular destination for backpackers in that it accesses what is known as the uh, Grand Valley. Uh, Grand Valley is a popular backpacking destination. Um, in fact, it's popular such that it is uh, what we what we'll call a quota area. We'll limit the number of backpackers in there on any given night. Mm -hmm. Backpackers can actually make reservations and are encouraged to do so in advance for those so-called quota areas. Grand Valley is partly popular not only because it's so beautiful, but it's a accessed via about a three and a half mile hike in. So, you know, a seven to eight mile uh, loop or in and out hike provides access to Grand Lake, Moose Lake, and that beautiful high country scenery. So from a short stroll with the family to a uh, backpacking adventure, you know, Hurricane Ridge offers, you know, all levels of, you know, hiking opportunities. Oh, Greg, that sounds great. And I was just thinking, you know, you just sold me on, on to contemplate stillness a little bit more. But now I'm thinking I've got to get on that. I've got to get my backcountry permit and get on get on that backcountry trail. That sounds amazing. Mm. And just to mm. be clear, uh, backcountry permits, to be serious for a second, available at the main visitor center for Olympic National Park. Would they be also available at the Hurricane Ridge Visitor Center or no? No, anybody uh, backpacking would be really strongly encouraged to stop by what we call our Wilderness Information Center. Wilderness Information Center, or WIC, is located in, in the Olympic National Park Visitor Center. And staff at the WIC can help uh, get the permits required for a backpacking trip. They'll talk about food management. Some places, coastal areas, uh, some places in the high country may require uh, hard-sided food containers because we can't, the trees aren't going to be adequate for hanging food from trees. So yeah, stop by the, the Port Angeles Visitor Center, uh, talk to our WIC staff uh, and backpackers can get all set up um, prior to getting up to uh, Hurricane Ridge. Um, a few more questions, just uh, toggling over to taking advantage of all that snow and the nice long season. Uh, may I assume that there are snow activities that are available, skiing, snowshoeing, cross-country uh, cross skiing, as well as downhill skiing? Is, is, is that all available, sledding? Is that all available uh, in the Hurricane Ridge and the immediate area? During the winter months, Hurricane Ridge, for the recent time frame, has been open on uh, weekends during the winter. We'll define our winter season as, say, mid-December through March. During that time, we plow crews working on the road to have the road open Fridays through Sundays, weather permitting. Weather permitting is always the key. Mm -hmm. As we talked about before, when the winds are blowing, you know, 40, 50, 80 miles an hour, 
and there's whiteout conditions, the Ridge Road isn't going to be open on a on a Saturday. But you know, open Fridays through Sundays, um, weather permitting during that winter, that defined winter period. And during that time, indeed, it becomes a wonderful winter playground. Cross-country skiing, check. Snowshoeing, yes. Gift shop up there, rent equipment on Saturdays and Sundays in the winter when the road is open. So folks can head up, rent some cross-country skis, rent some snowshoes. We offer on Saturdays and Sundays ranger-guided snowshoe hike in the winter. So people that are new to snowshoeing, want to try it out, can come out and do that. That's family program. So little people, big people. Wow. And we don't go out very far or very long. So not super strenuous and a lot of fun. There is a, a local group of volunteers. The Hurricane Ridge Winter Sports Club uh, does operate in a small ski area at the ridge. They have two rope toes and what's called a pommel lift or a T-bar, and they operate those on weekends during that defined uh, winter season. So a nice place for, you know, gosh, I taught my daughter to ski up there um, at Hurricane Ridge. So, yes, some short downhill runs, cross-country skiing, snowshoeing. Some people are, you know... Uh, going off into the backcountry, you know, telemarking, snowboarding in backcountry areas. So even that, you know, yet another level of adventure in terms of, of winter recreation up there. Finally, we do have folks that go up. Some of the scout troops will take advantage of the ridge and, and others to do some snow camping. That, too, is going to be on weekends, you know, when the road is scheduled to be open and the weather forecast is good, but people can go up snowshoe or ski out and do some winter camping at the ridge as well. That's great. You know, it's fine. I'm chuckling because uh, I I was a Boy Scout and we did snow camping, but I don't think it was anything like this. This sounds uh, this sounds at a different level. So it sounds uh, again. You're talking me back into uh, all these activities. It sounds lovely. But you did mention, and one thing I learned being an East Coast guy is how fickle the weather in the Pacific Northwest can be. And as you indicated, it's it's called Hurricane Ridge for a reason. So is there a way to check? Uh, weather and road conditions. Um, if if I wake up on a Friday and decide, you know, I want to see if uh, see if this weekend or today even is a good time to to make it out to the park. Is there some uh, something we can check into? Yeah, you know, we still are going to recommend that everybody call. We update a recorded uh, weather and phone, excuse me, weather and road information line here each morning and throughout the day as necessary. Three six zero five six five. 3131 is a number um, that we really constantly encourage people to check on conditions, check ahead to make sure the road is open. There is a webcam, too, that people can you know check on conditions because, well, it leads to another area that sometimes even if the road is open, conditions may not be conducive to your enjoyment. You know, maybe the road is open, but it is, you know, there's no visibility and, you know, the wind is blowing 15 miles an hour. So it's a cold day, a day without being able to see the mountains, a day that's going to be a foggy, perhaps white knuckle drive up the road. Um, so checking the cam to make sure conditions are good, calling the recorded information line to make sure the road is open. And finally, in the winter, during that winter season, we actually have a Hurricane Ridge Twitter site. And um, that, too, is updated each morning just to let folks know if the road is open or not. Um, so we try through several sources to get that information out in a timely manner each morning. Great. I think it just I think it makes sense just to check everything if you can make the phone call, check Twitter, check the webcam and then make an informed decision as best as you, as best as one can. It sounds like uh, that's the best way to cover yourself to make sure you're going to have a good experience and not 
get all the way there and have to turn back around. That that would uh that would be a damper. Mm-hmm. One more question, and then and then uh we can we can start winding up. And thanks again, Greg. Again, I'm with Greg Marsh, park ranger and supervisor at the Olympic National Park Visitor Center. Speaking of Port Angeles, somehow, as I said at the top, my brother and I just we didn't make it to Port Angeles, which is uh, atypical. Can you talk a little bit about Port Angeles? You know, we've become, you know, Danielle and I, and some of these trips, we've become connoisseurs in contrasting the gateway towns to a lot of the national parks, Springdale and Utah, Gatlinburg into the Smokies, Estes Park into Rocky Mountain. So what, what, can, we, what can we expect when we come into Port Angeles and what's the park visitor center like there and what, what can we expect and what's some, what are some recommendations that you would have for us in Port Angeles? Well, Port Angeles, it's a wonderful community. It's a beautiful community situated on the water with a, a working harbor. So it's a community that's nestled with the mountains, you know, as the backdrop and the water, you know, in the foreground. It's just a such a lovely setting for a community. And the town itself is the downtown area of Port Angeles is right on the waterfront. Um, ferries depart down there for Victoria, B.C., as we suggested earlier. Large ships stop in for work as they're sailing to ports in Tacoma or Seattle from, from overseas. So it's a, an interesting working harbor in that sense. The Port Angeles area downtown is just a two-block area. But a community of 20,000 people, there's really a perhaps surprising amount of you know, cool cultural stuff going on. The town has a has a symphony orchestra. Um, we have a fine arts museum. We have a wonderful festival coming up, a four-day festival of music and dance coming up Memorial Day weekend, the Juan de Fuca Festival of the Art. Port Angeles has in the, I believe it's in the fall, they have the, what they we call the Crab Fest, and that attracts tons of folks from uh, British Columbia over to the community. So, you know, the community itself has a lot of stuff going on like that. I moved here from Washington, D.C. back in 1999 and have been pleasantly surprised at the number of quality eateries in town, you know, from Thai food to, you know, locally sourced restaurants that that locally source their food, you know, to a drive-through, you know, fast food place. There are a variety of restaurants, some of them that are really, really uh, quite yummy. (laughs) And, you know, I guess that might be my... You know, my nutshell, one other thing I would note about Port Angeles, though, too, is, you know, bicyclists. There's a nice waterfront trail down there. Local communities are working together, in fact, on what's called the Olympic Discovery Trail. Um, Bicycle enthusiasts, uh, ultimately, the goal is to be able to ride from Port Townsend, uh, Washington, all the way out, uh, past Lake Crescent through the park, Mm -hmm. um, out to La Push on the coast. So, you know, wonderful you know, opportunity for bicyclists to enjoy, you know, enjoy that trail. Yeah, Port Angeles from uh, music to food to arts, you know, maybe be surprising for some people given that we're, you know, seemingly so remote. It, uh, it sounds like a very good compliment for the park rather than a contrast and something to be avoided. So it sounds, I'm, I, I now regret missing it, missing out on it. So, uh, shame on us. But now, uh, with all these great tips, a great, uh, a great excuse to come on back. And, and you know, we can always edit this out if, if you don't want to answer this one. But in our notes, I do have, Greg, that you're in a, uh, you're a guitarist in a punk band. Please tell me that's true. Well, I, I am a guitarist in a, a local uh, band called MCFD. And we... Um, do you still gig? We, uh, we play out here, you know, locally and on the peninsula. Um, you know, our greatest uh, claim to fame is opening up for Vancouver, B.C. punk legends, DOA. 
uh, here in Port Angeles. So that too has been kind of a surprising thing with bands coming in from Seattle. It's been a really enjoyable thing for me to be able to, to, you know, play music. Yeah. You know, this community, I think has been a part of that for me. I'm a shy boy and yet I've been playing more music uh, here with people than I did when I lived back in DC. And so, yes, we bring the, we bring the noise to, uh, willing Port Angeles audiences. That, that is outstanding. And uh, I now want to do a deep dive in the Port Angeles punk scene as well. So I, And I am going to name check your band, MCFD, everybody check it out. So it's, uh, that is fantastic. My, my last question for you, and maybe the answer is playing in your punk band, but do you, uh, we ask everyone in our interviews, uh, do you have a special moment, a special memory, or a series of memories that you think really encapsulates uh, your time, and you've said you've been there since 99, your, town, your time in Olympic. I, I know you mentioned teaching your daughter to ski. Maybe that's it. But what's a special moment, day, morning, or a series of events that you had that really made you feel as though uh, you're in a really, a really special spot? I think the, you know, the thing that comes immediately to mind for the last 15-plus um, years, my family and I have gone out every spring, typically around April, give or take, out um, oftentimes to the community of La Push on the Pacific Coast um, to experience, to witness uh, the migration of gray whales along the Pacific Coast. And over the years, not only has that been just a really powerful experience for me, uh, but it's been something that we've uh, enjoyed with friends and indeed uh, with family, going out there every year with my daughter witnessing the gray whales um, and taking in what is, uh, that to me is a powerful experience. And the experience itself, you know, trying to connect with those whales, um, the community of La Push itself is so beautiful. It's just a place that, uh, a place that I enjoy, an experience that I look forward to, um, a time of year that will always be you know, filled with those memories of, you know, powerful outdoor experiences, but also uh, time with family. So, yeah, the gray whale migration, the push, um, those are things that uh, I think that really represents my experience here on the peninsula. I've gone out constantly during the whale migration in, in the past weeks, whether I'm riding my bike out on the hook here in town. Anytime I'm at the water, I'm looking, looking, looking for spouts. Sometimes maybe only, maybe all I see is a seal or a sea lion or harlequin ducks or loons or murelets or rainbow. Um, so I suppose a day looking for whales, I, I don't know what fishermen say, you know, a a bad day fishing is a good, still a good day kind of thing. But um, um, having Olympic National Park as a backyard is wonderful. But the the migration of gray whales that's a been a really powerful part of my experience here. What a uh, what a graceful note to end on. And just out of curiosity, when is the migration? When could one see that during the year? Is that what season? Yeah, so we'll bookend it uh, mid-March through mid-May. Um, you know, we're kind of coming up on the end now. I was out at La Push two weeks ago and spent five or six hours, saw several spouts, saw a whale breach, and one whale came into the harbor just past the breakers, spy hopping a few times. Um, I'm down on the beach waving madly, thinking the whale's seeing me, <laughs> but... Um, 
yeah, always a special time out there. That's amazing. So, Greg, thank you very much for your time. We really appreciate it. What a great way to end on. So thank you very much. We hope to see you the next time we're back out. Thank you again. Well, you're, you're most welcome. It was nice to talk to you. And indeed, if you if you stop by the Visitor Center, please, uh, please do say hello. And, and thanks to uh, Danielle as well. Count on it. Thank you for listening to Everybody's National Parks. You may find links to resources mentioned in this episode in the show notes on our website, everybodysnationalparks.com. While there, consider clicking on Support the Show. You may find the podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. If you like the show, write a review, give us a five-star rating, and please tell your friends. You may also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Or send us your comments at everybodysnationalparks.com forward slash contact. We love to hear from you from the parks you are visiting, so please tag us at hashtag everybodysnationalparks. Most of all, enjoy exploring the national parks with your family. Bye for now.